0: Hi, I'm John. And I'm Ron. And this is Digital Divination on the No Direction Network.
1: right we are back for episode 54 of digital divination uh right. man yeah ron I, I think we need to address that little uh technical mishap we had last last episode
0: yeah that kind of glitch i mean it was weird it was like we were uh like we weren't even ourselves in the uh the <laughs> digital divination that we do that's uh it's it's really like we were uh, like trying to deal with all these legends about lore. I don't. It was it was weird. Well, that's because it wasn't us. We were hacked, and I think we need to explain to our
1: folks who are listening to these episodes sequentially that them folks over there at Legend Lore took over our our channel and started
0: broadcasting pretending to be us. Well, and then it was like the worst possible us right because it was all about how paizo going to be dying unless they flip over to fifth edition and they have to do nothing but fifth edition and anything else is a failure and whoo that was pretty extreme it was like taking the the worst possible rumors that have been circling around on the uh, the internet after the announcement about uh, the abomination vaults 5e and uh, insisting that they were going to be the case that doesn't sound like us at all Oh, I'm I'm confused now. I that's not what I heard when I listened
1: to episode fifty-three. Is
0: that oh, what they were talking digital about? Digital divination. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about no, I'm talking about where we showed up on Legend and Lore. You're talking about oh, digital divination yes, where there was a lot yes. of discussion about Elden Ring and yes.
1: uh oh, yes. various oh, yes. video games ever were playing and stuff like that. Uh yeah, just Just for everyone else out there, uh, just note the date on that, and uh, we'll move forward. Um, I will say, though, that we had a pretty good time uh, taking over their podcast, Legend Lore. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Legend Lore 42, we do discuss some things of importance there.
0: Uh, that, that, that's true, especially near the end where we talk about kind of what we're doing. Uh, if yeah. you're tuning in to digital divination, because you want to know kind of what's going on in our lives, then, uh, you go to the end of, uh, of that legend lore. <laughs> that'll, that'll get you there. Uh, I did oh, notice yeah. that when we were trying to, uh, you know, when we were crossing the streams there, they've yeah. got a, a more complex introduction than we do. We just kind of get going. We're just, here's, who yeah. we, here's the music and here's who we are. And then we just sort of start yammering.
1: Well, I, I think we make the assumption that people know who we are and just go with it. And, and they make the assumption that somebody could be coming new to their, to their stream every episode and they would, they kind of introduce
0: themselves. Do you you think we need to do that? Uh, Yeah, I think, I think you're onto that and they give their backgrounds and why they're sort of the, uh, the experts, but that comes with the caution they give, which I think is, is, is really interesting to hear that, Mm -hmm. look, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's. Rule zero: It's your table, and uh, right. and keep that in mind. Ultimately, that's a that's a really good general rule that I think not enough people remember. That right. you can you can do it however you want at your table, and it's whatever however you're doing it is the right way. You don't have to worry about doing it the wrong way.
1: Yeah, I agree. I but I, you know I think the way we talk about stuff most of the time, it's usually this is what we're doing, and mm-hmm. this is how we've been doing it. I don't think we ever kind of definitively lay out. Oh yeah, this is what the rules say and this is how you should be doing something though.
0: Yeah, I think that that was uh that really came to the fore uh just a few episodes ago. We were talking about the precog and right. one of the things that you'd mentioned is well so many people have talked about what the precog is. Yeah. And we're like, well, the what they don't know is what we think about the precog. So, <laughs> right. We're just right. we're just right. uh you know, so we're not establishing credibility in order to educate an audience we're just people sort of you know opining shoot from the hip if you're here you're you're at least curious about what we have to say about stuff so, so we'll tell so you what is, we think about stuff this is not the
1: science section this is the editorial section then
0: <laughs> if yeah. not the comics
1: john <laughs> <laughs> all right okay well then 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 let's get to our our opining. Um, you know, last night we had uh, had a couple interesting battles in our Devastation Arc uh, podcast that we were recording for uh, Intrepid Heroes, which, by the way, I, I mentioned it last night.
0: That is our 100th episode that we've recorded for them, which is kind of cool. That was fantastic. I, I yeah. thought that was really neat to be able to get yeah. to episode 100. Now, nobody's going to be able to hear the episode 100 for a little while because we're not quite yeah. caught up there yet in our... Yeah in our announcement. So you're getting a little bit of a sneak peek as to what's coming in a couple of months. Yes. Yes.
1: And uh, I, you know, I, I think what was kind of interesting about that is that's one of the, the the sequential battles that we had in there um, in that, in those across two episodes that we recorded, we are looking more and more at kind of the differences that we see in high level play. So 14th level characters compared to what we were seeing earlier you know, first, second, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I mean, it's some big dramatic differences, especially, I think, in the importance of uh, party coordination to accomplish things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I th- I feel like we had, we did two, last night when we recorded, we did two fights. They'll show up in different episodes, but they're one right mm-hmm. after the other. And the thing that really struck me about it is the one that I expected to be easier I feel like the party found a little more challenging and the one that I thought would be you know that had a risk of being just totally overwhelming was not as not as big of an issue as I suspected all right and so I I
1: thought they were both kind of challenging and maybe not challenging on for various reasons so how would you how do you characterize each of those though which is which.
0: Well, okay. Well, I had thought so there I don't want, I don't, I want to avoid a lot of spoilers, but I right. will say the first fight was with a couple of robots and it was in an area that was extremely large. Right. These right. robots are totally specced to be just killers in melee combat and they can fight fairly well at a distance. Uh but the 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 area was so big that they could get off a lot of their range shots pretty effectively. And mm-hmm. uh it had a lot of the players scrambling for what they had for ranges for stuff, right? Oh, I want to affect that robot right. over. Th- oh no, it's, what is my range on that only 60 feet and how it's 80 feet away. Okay. Well, that's way too far or, well, I want to shoot at it, but it's not, gosh, it's not even in my second range increment. It's in my third range increment. I'm going to take a big penalty to try to shoot at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I well, feel like the, the monster itself is also a little bit um, a, a little bit awkwardly built, these robots, because, like I say, they're more powerful in melee, but their guns not only have a uh, a fusion on them that lets them be concealed if they take right. a move action after firing it. Which, which is kind of neat, but it discourages the monster from getting really close. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. monster also has uh, the automatic ability with the guns that it shoots so it's a real it can be really effective if it can get like a 40-foot cone but by the time right. it's close enough to be in a 40-foot cone it wants to be in melee it's more useful right. for it to rush right up see that's is this is interesting this is
1: news to me actually because i was under the impression that they were kind of stronger at range and weaker at melee that's why i was kind of closing on them and, <laughs> and then then they were doing all those attacks i think oh maybe i got that wrong Uh, The interesting thing about uh, that particular part of the the map we were on, it was massive. They were 10 foot uh, squares. Each square equals 10 foot. And I think the range between the monsters was close to 200 feet between each Mm -hmm. of them. They came from different directions and, and we kind of showed up in the middle, like in, in a crossfire. And in that situation, we have the whole party. What do we do? Do we go to one side and leave our flank exposed do we split the party which we've done before doesn't necessarily work out <laughs> frequently or, in fact <laughs> yeah do we stay where we are and hope the party comes to us which is initially what i thought might happen so i didn't i didn't close immediately um so i have a i've a big vanguard have some pretty good speed i could have used my entropic uh, charge and gotten really close probably i decided not to do that because i didn't want to get too far away from the rest of the party,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I kind of wanted to draw the creature closer to us so that it would be within range of my my
0: teammates, but it didn't
1: really seem to take take the bait
0: uh well that yeah that's right. I was trying to kind of frantically use the best of the the creature's mm-hmm. abilities as I could. Uh, one thing that really struck me though is that everything is sort of bigger by a factor at higher levels, all of the hits. Mm-hmm. And the hit points are bigger, yeah, not quite a factor of ten, but it kind of feels like it, right? Because your enemies are going to have 250 to 300 hit points instead of yeah. 25 to 30, and the hits you're doing, like a good solid hit, is 50 points rather right. than five, and and kind of a you know it'll get by kind of hit is 30 points instead mm-hmm. of three, like it can be at lower levels when you're rolling your d4s for your laser pistols right right. um so it feels like everything is really scaled very well as far as the damage that's done and the uh the damage that the the enemies can take um but people's sense is still kind of stuck in some of the lower levels so when somebody does a did a big crit and did 100 points of damage i think people were a little amazed the monster was still standing it's not even down to halfway yet right that's come on think like the big leagues here (laughs) Well, I
1: think, I think most of them haven't GMed higher. I don't think any of them have jammed higher levels. So they aren't familiar with that. I've I've done a couple of APs up through 12th level and usually they're big bosses that are over 200, 250 points. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't surprised by that. And so when, when, in that particular instance, when somebody critted right off the bat and they weren't even bloodied, I wasn't surprised, but they obviously were, and weren't happy with how Difficult this monster was, why? And it's like, but you're hitting them for massive amounts, and you're right. hitting pretty regularly. Also, their ACs were were really high, but then you know my character is sporting at 38 uh, KAC, so I expect their ACs to be pretty high. Their uh their attack bonus is super high. Of course, ours is super high. So mm-hmm. I I think one of the things that the players tend to run into is that they don't see how high they've come they're only seeing how high the monsters coming and they're not looking right. at well is it staying at a relative level or not you know
0: right and there's a little bit of game design behind that to trying right. to make things feel like you're more powerful if if all you're doing is kind of running to stay even then it right. doesn't feel like you're getting ahead any it's important from time to time to make sure you're fighting monsters that are just kind of easy to hit or mm-hmm. go down kind of easily no, neither of these fights were that way um, but one of the things I thought was really neat about it was that that combat in particular lasted long enough for uh, people to have their abilities come online. Uh, right. You know, uh, Stephanie Solarian has that ray of light ability to just basically right. instantly be you know, some more than 100 feet away on the other side in flanking against the other critter. Um, and there wasn't anything the, the uh, robot could do about it. Uh, that was, I think, really satisfying for her to be able to say, oh, well, this is a power that I only get to use in kind of the late stages of combat. And here we are in a late stage of combat in a way where it really matters to be able to use.
1: Right. And, and I think in addition to that, we often aren't that far away from an enemy that we're trying to target, that it's worthwhile <laughs> like using all of her, uh, you know, her her three rounds worth to transport herself there. When she can just run, she can just charge pretty quickly and and get in its face and attack. So I I think this the the particular map really lent itself to that. Um, And it also kind of showcased for the players the importance of having good mobility overall. Um, We're okay speed-wise, but nobody's really fast. And like Stephanie was running into some limitations of, uh, you know, she has a jetpack. hey, a jetpack's great, but that's a lower level. It's like a third level or fifth level item where she could have got a force pack, which basically a force pack has 50 foot movement, right? So it, you know, it's quite a bit more than the 30 that you get and adds a lot. You know, you do a double move, you cover a lot more ground um, using the hay circuits on top of that. So a lot of, a lot of different things were coming into play, just mobility wise that we hadn't even worried about in the past
0: right right and it had people looking things up that they hadn't had to look up before weapon right. ranges and oh how far can i get how many rounds can i use my haste circuit anyway because that right. you know could matter um so it was good i guess from a a sense that it, it per, the, so the robots posed you more challenge than i thought they would but the mm-hmm. challenge wasn't really Was anybody down into hit points past their stamina and at risk of dying? No, the challenge was you got to kind of think about what it is you do and how what you can bring to bear to move around a battlefield, to manipulate a battlefield, to help other people move around a battlefield Uh, can sometimes really matter. Because when you fight in close confines, it doesn't. So this is the first this is the first battle that I realized that anybody who had a sniper rifle ought to be pulling it out for because you get those ludicrously high ranges. But of course, with all the close in battles we've done, nobody's nobody carries one of those around.
1: And we don't have a we don't have a soldier in our party anymore.
0: Uh, That's correct. In fact, much like the robots you were facing, you guys are just way better in melee than you are at ranged. Right, right. Which. You know, I think most of the places
1: we've gone and what we've done, that's worked out fine. Mm-hmm. We haven't wanted to keep at range, though I'll say the second battle that we did, I
0: think we would have liked to have been at range instead and stayed at range if we could have. Well, that's that's absolutely true. And the second battle, one of the things that made it feel high level for me was the the monster the monsters uh had an aura that does intelligence and wisdom damage to you in the aura. Yeah. And so you can't stay toe to toe with them for very long because they've got this 15 foot aura around them. And as soon as people started to realize that's what it was doing and realized the threat of that, uh, I'm, I didn't, I didn't help the tension any by being sure to point out, Hey, let me know if either of those scores get to zero because really? then something else might happen. It might matter. Um, right which made people really panicked about being too close to these monsters, which was a more typical fight in uh, in close close quarters. I really expected those creatures to be significantly more overwhelming than they were as far as damage they dish out, as far as magical abilities that they had to, uh, uh, to hurt your party. Uh, they're pretty primarily a tricky kind of monster, but the tricky kind of monsters can sometimes load up on damage unexpectedly quickly, and it just didn't happen. You guys didn't find have as much trouble with that uh, right out of the uh, right out of the gate as I suspected you might.
1: Well, I think part of it is we we recognized there was something weird about them with the aura early on. You had some saves that uh, Simon had to make, right? And Simon mm-hmm. had, had had found them earlier, and and then my character, because it's a, a large creature that's a vanguard, has a twenty foot reach. So it goes could attack beyond the, the aura, though the creatures kept stepping in closer, obviously, uh, for doing things. But I, I think that we had enough early on warning as to, oh, yeah, proximity is a problem, that everyone else could start using some range and doing range attacks and, and things like that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, there's also, by the time you're at this high level, in addition to the fact the monsters have sort of crazy abilities that they wouldn't have at lower level. You mm-hmm. as, as uh player characters have abilities you wouldn't have at lower levels. One of these monsters, big tricks was the mislead spell, which if you haven't read it, mm-hmm. it, it, it creates an illusionary duplicate of you right, right in your spot while you become greater invisible and can then move off and wreak all sorts of havoc because you're greater invisible and everybody still thinks you're in the space that you left because the illusion there right. continues to move as you do, and uh And things like that, so it's a it's a good way to really trick a party, but as soon as you've got a higher level party, you've got people with blind blind sense or even people with blind sight, uh a lot of abilities that specifically say this overcomes invisibility or similar. Mm-hmm. Um, True seeing becomes something that you can uh you can more readily get a hold of, either as a spell or with effects in technological items. Um, the limning weapon fusion, which lets you just make somebody who is a invisible glow. So mm-hmm. that negates their ability. You guys had a lot of ways to get around some of the, uh, the sneakiest tricks. I think that these monsters were, were trying to bring to bear.
1: Well, that's kind of a lesson learned. And again, no spoilers, but we played through another AP where the final boss had greater invisibility and we did not have an easy way to figure out how to get by it. Right. So um, I think myself. Uh, actually, anytime I play high level now, anywhere, I have said, you know what? I'm going to make a way that I can get around that, and hopefully help my my party so that they can get around it too. Mm-hmm. And I think multiple people are now taking on some tools for for helping that.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's right, and they've got the ability to use that. One of the things that I realized after the battle that was available but wasn't even necessary is that uh stephanie solarian has the armor upgrade that can turn on and in, uh see invisibility
1: oh really yeah yeah
0: that's so cool. that's that's so that makes invisibility even if you hadn't had a couple of ways around it you had you had ways around it you didn't even need to use there were so many ways around it that you had right but, right um but that's the case i expected like i say i expected that to be a substantially more effective bit of trickery that they could use and have more effective abilities they could use. Um, It was actually, I mean, it was paying attention to, you had a pretty good range of uh, saves you succeeded at and saves you failed. It just so happened that the saves you succeeded were the ones that were most critical. And you might not have even known it because I'm like, oh, cast a spell, so-and-so will make a will save, right? But the ones that you were failing were the ones that kind of didn't matter as much. And the ones that were you were succeeding on were the ones that really could have swung the tide of battle. So it's one of those situations where it maybe didn't seem unreasonably lucky or unlucky, but the way that the dice fell, it happened to have gotten you out of some some uh, pretty sticky situations.
1: Well, I and I, I'm really concerned about that for my Vanguard, in, in particular things like, you know, dominate person or, you know, things that basically are will saves that would negate my ability to do stuff. And I uh, you know, I've took taken Iron Will and improved Iron Will. And then I have a Vanguard um uh, uh ability that allows me a reroll versus spell like abilities that kind of uh affect that as well. Mm-hmm. Um because my wills, will saves are just atrocious. And consequently I end up failing them a lot. And I, I failed twice uh, in that that particular battle but the interesting thing is that we have multiple characters that help bolster that so failing the the two will saves I did um so the, the initial one and the reroll caused me to take a I, four points of, of intelligence and wisdom damage and i don't have high levels high scores you didn't a lot to spare levels. yeah <laughs> you know so i was really getting worried there and then i had we had two of our players says oh don't worry i got you and i thought that was kind of cool
0: yeah, that and ways to mitigate um a type of damage that is ability score damage that doesn't come up very much was really mm-hmm. neat to see because it shows that you guys can be really prepared and bring out the uh um sort of the 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 necessary abilities when you have to. And those are the kind of things that feel good to have on a character sheet. That you're like, oh, I've got just the tool for this that that has been presented to me, and that's that's pretty neat. Uh, I do think that there is a uh sort of a uh uh a, a tendency there of sort of the big beefy type fighters to have a terrible will save. One of the things mm-hmm. that I've said was true in, in earlier editions of D and D it's been carried through to Pathfinder first edition, right into uh, um, Starfinder, Starfinder, yeah, to some degree in Pathfinder second edition that uh, you kind of, you got to think about what kind of saves you're going to fail because very few characters are good at all of them. And right. if your, your reflex save is bad, it means I'm okay with taking more damage. Because that's what happens on failed reflex saves most of the time. If your fortitude mm-hmm. save is bad, it's I'm okay with being taken out of the fight entirely by stuff, right? Getting disintegrated or finger of death or you know poison, <laughs> some of the things, fortitude saves. Yeah. And if your will save is bad, what you're saying is I'm okay with sometimes having to fight against my party. Mm-hmm. Because the things that control you or make you run away or things like that. Um, which often forces party members to either have to go get you or, <laughs> or something like that, yeah. or, you know, charm or dominate you. Th- that's what failed will saves will get. So sometimes you don't have much choice in the matter. If there's a class that you particularly love to play and it's bad. in one of those types of will of saving throws, then you're just going to be bad in that. But that's the, the things that kind of communicate, you know, reflex save I'm okay. Taking more damage, low fortitude, save. I'm okay. Uh, getting knocked out of the fight early and will save. I'm okay getting turned against my friends. So that's what you're telling me when you say my will save is really low.
1: Well, yeah. And and I recognize that and I, I did my best to mitigate it with, with other things. You know, I mm-hmm. spent two feats, you know, and and when you consider how many feats I actually get, that's a pretty substantial amount. Big, big investment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Big investment trying to do that. And even then it just helps a little bit uh i'm I'm hoping that um that there would be that they'll really pay off sometime <laughs> that won't fail two in a row <laughs> and when it's really important and it works um but even so uh you know i I think everybody can't be bulletproof either right uh, that's absolutely true somehow
0: yeah. well yeah, and a lot of people who are taking feats are doing so with uh one of two things in mind: do I want to be better at the things I'm already good at? Or do I want to shore up some of the weaknesses? And I feel like at this level, you've got, even if you don't get very many feats, you get enough to be able to kind of make a decision. Like, oh, well, some of my things are going to be better at the stuff I'm already good at. And some of the things are going to try to help bolster the stuff I'm not so great at. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think with a Vanguard, especially kind of the way I'm I'm looking at playing it, which is I do damage, but I try to be much more kind of defensive, protective of the party. That's kind of Mm -hmm. of what I want to do. And um, so that's where my uh, my disciplines have been and the the things I've gotten. I have a lot of options on things I can do already that spending feats on things. I didn't wasn't something I had to worry about too much. In fact, the blind sense and blind sight I have were Vanguard um, abilities. So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of really neat that, you know, those are things maybe I might might have spent for blind sense, spend a feat on. You can't really get. I don't think you can get blind fight uh, with a feed, but so, you know, mixing and matching there to, to kind of get a good balance is, is easy enough given all the, the neat abilities you get with these characters as they get to higher levels. And you can kind of get really cool items as well. Like I, I have an item I haven't even used yet. It's a, a Mark two diffraction cloak. You know, you mentioned people that are bad at certain saves my re- mm-hmm. reflex save isn't great, but the Mark II reflection, refraction cloak gives me two re-rolls on, uh, versus damage on uh, for re- reflex save.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: So, yeah. So, you know, there's ways to mitigate it um, with equipment, with magic, and with things like that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that once you get up to higher levels, you've got the ability to to look more broadly at what solution yeah. there might be for your uh, uh for things that you're running up against you know it's, is there some technological solution that's going to help me out here is there some you know spell i can ask for our uh you know mystic or technomance or whatever to keep right. ready in case something like this happens
1: mm-hmm. now you know one of the things that i found interesting in this ap especially here we're we're near the end and i'm again we're not trying to give a lot of spoilers but i think we're in I'm giving some spoilers so don't listen if you're really concerned about that. Um, One of the big complaints I've had, and and it's been echoed by other folks, not just me. um, And throughout all the Starfinder APs that I've played or or run is there haven't been a lot of loot or a lot of money for the players. It's, you know, I I asked Jake Tondro this and he said, well, we intentionally expect them. They're going to miss some of these. So we put in an extra 50% of loot everywhere. And it's like, well, it still seems pretty light. And I think it's, in part because the uh, what you get is they can't get give you something that fits every class that's going to be in the party, mm-hmm. so you're always, unless you have the, the perfect mix, always somebody gets a little shortchanged. But I thought that in this particular case, wow, this is like Christmas. Are they trying to make up for all those other APs because <laughs> they dropped an awful lot of high level gear, uh, some of it two levels higher than what we're at now. Right. Um Which I thought was really neat,
0: well, and that's the uh and that is all gear that it's assumed that the party is gonna keep because if we drop right. in loot that is really kind of much lower level than the party is, we assume they're not gonna actually use it and they're gonna sell it, and then it's only worth one tenth of what it is, so mm-hmm. if you've got uh you can actually spread that x p budget quite far if you've got multiple enemies using things that are a little bit lower than, or the, the uh, credit budget, excuse me, Mm -hmm. uh, quite far, If you have multiple lower level enemies using gear that is lower level than the, uh, than the characters would otherwise use and kind of put in a lot of stuff, but it's a lot of stuff that isn't quite so useful. And that doesn't feel like the big win that a, a horde of higher level items does.
1: Yeah, this was, this was, this was kind of neat because there was, basically everyone got an armor upgrade. Uh, well, there was enough for five out of six of us, right? Mm-hmm. But all the armor that was provided was useful and had neat stuff in it. Um, really, I, I, to some extent, like some of the things that, that uh, Stephanie got, some of the mods that she got in hers, it's like, wow, this is like some really, really neat, useful stuff that is going to be beneficial right. that you start seeing at higher level, like fort, uh, fortification, You know, so how do you mitigate those massive crits? Well, you give them a a, a miss crit chance, so to speak, you know, with fortification, you know, so I thought, well, that's, that's really neat to kind of see in there. The thing is, it wasn't the same on kind of the weapon, the weapons point of view. And, and, and I see this a lot. They almost always seem to include a, uh, solarian crystal of some sort now because they don't Mm -hmm. want to shortchange the solarian, um and and i actually think the one that's provided was was pretty useful but it it's different utility than the one she already had but then the rest of the weapons there was a whole lot of stuff there that was really good for soldiers and we didn't have any soldiers
0: yeah leaned really heavily into heavy weapons and you don't have anybody who's using heavy weapons and that's actually a uh you know from the the Starfinder adventure writing that I've done. That's actually kind of an awkward position to be in, right? Because if Mm -hmm. you're going to give out pistols, you know, everybody's going to be excited about pistols and the tendency is, all right, well, let's just give out pistols. But you they give out the occasional Solarian weapon crystal or the occasional suit of power to armor. That's the kind of thing that can make a character that uses those types of things go, oh, oh, this is very special. This is a thing kind of just for me. And I almost wish that we were a little more flexible about, in Mm -hmm. in a horde of treasure or something like that, say, this this thing here is either this powered armor or this Solarian weapon crystal or this, I don't know, advanced melee weapon, right? Depending on what your party is going to find the most useful. Right. So it's not that you're finding a bunch of stuff that you feel like was for different characters. You're always finding the kind of stuff that works well for your characters. Right. And I, I think that there is, even though it's kind of classic in the fantasy sort of genre to say, Oh, we found a a big, big bunch of horde of stuff that we're going to sell and so on. Science fantasy is not like science fantasy. The heroes are kind of finding stuff they could use all the time. And Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, running across something that is absolutely great for somebody else really in the science fantasy trope only means you're about to find somebody like that, right? If you found a heavy weapon and powered armor, that means you're about to meet some sort of soldier who is going to then join up your party. That's not the, that's not the way Starfinder runs. And so it's better if those were in fact swapped out for useful gear for the, for the party that is at your table right then.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, would it, Would it be feasible, I don't know how word count would be, to just have a, like a a loot list based on, okay, what are the classes that you're running, that your party is, if it's these classes, this is the loot that you give? Or is that too, being too specific, too tailored to the party?
0: Well, we, when we tailor like that, the way to do that with the lowest amount of word count and maximum amount of flexibility is to just give the party money. And that's something that's most often as a reward for uh, completing a big mission, the people that hired Mm -hmm. you or the people that benefit from it are like, well, here's a bunch of money. Now you can go get whatever you want. Or sometimes framed along the lines of you can have any, you know, level N or lower uh, Mm -hmm. weapon that you want to get, for example, or something like that. But uh, I think that the, one of the things that you run into when you start getting a little more specific, I mean, having having read a, ahead a little bit in this adventure that you're you're playing now, at, when you get to the end, one of the thankful NPCs will say, oh, thank you very much. Here is this thing, which is a high-level thing, but which nobody in the party will be interested in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we... I, there's there's nothing in there that says specifically, hey, maybe you should consider tailing or tailoring this, Right. but I think it's probably worth considering tailoring it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I seem to recall something like that near the end of one of the other APs we played, we found uh, some museum pieces, stuff on display. Some of them were really cool, but not, not all of them were useful, you know, for mm-hmm. our, our particular party. Now then that was the end of the adventure. And so you either used it or not at that point. And mm-hmm. if you didn't use it, then you went with, with what you have. I think one of the interesting things about loot in general in, in the gameplay is Oftentimes, you know, we as players see it as foreshadowing a, about the type of encounter we might be coming up with soon. Mm-hmm. So if there's a certain type of weapon damage that's prevalent in there, if there's a certain type of uh, a magic item that allows you to do something, oh, wait a second, this might be really useful mm-hmm. coming down the road. You know, similar to, you know, in Pathfinder, uh, when you come across a, a, a cache of silver weapons you know (laughs) oh yes we better to keep those because who knows what you know or iron weapons or whatever you know yep
0: exactly exactly we want to make sure that you're 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 not stumbling into automatic failure for something i think that's less of a concern at high level in any system but in starfinder know for sure especially having seen you guys in action uh there's so you're so flexible about the ways you can address things i feel Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't need to include something to protect you against uh you know mental control right because you've got you got ways around that right yeah i agree i you know i when i'm
1: looking at my characters and building i'm I'm trying to think what are the what are the showstoppers that have affected us in the past and Mm -hmm. great invisibility is one uh going against in uh corporeal creatures is another Mm -hmm. you know so having ways to to deal with things that swarms
0: swarms yeah swarms
1: right that's that's oh especially lower levels man uh you know as we've seen in uh in uh horizons of the vast starting right right random encounters with swarms it's like oh well we got to find a way to deal with this at first and second level how do we do that um but yeah so that's that's kind of interesting well i think it's been it's it's. I think we're getting to a really exciting part of of the AP now. We're really gotten used to our our characters now, and this is the devastation mm-hmm. arc. You know, we're getting near the end of of the first book, but we're we're really getting used to our characters and knowing what each other can do. So setting up each other or counting on each other, we know how people are playing where they like to position, how they like to do stuff. So uh, I, I think it's, it's going to make the
0: next book, I think, really, really exciting. Right. As you can, as you can lean on each other's abilities more. I feel like, uh, for example, a lot of people might have just considered your character to be just kind of another soldier. But when, it, when right. they realized how, protective they, how protected they are when they're near you and how protected they're not when they're far from you, I've right. already seen people tend to cluster up around you in order to get right. the benefits of, your, of the Vanguard's protection. Right.
1: Yeah. And and that was like really explicit this last, this last time. Oh, there's a big monster. I'm not going to go too far ahead. I'm going to stay by Leroy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, that's, I think that's um, I look forward to, to talking more about this. And especially since this goes all the way through to the end game 20th level.
0: It so does. It does. We'll I feel like, yeah, we're going to be able to talk about, you know, the in- increasingly high level abilities and combat and, and what happens there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun.
0: So what do you what do you else do you have going on, John?
1: Well, I'll just tell you one thing and um I had to go up to Camino Island uh, this afternoon meet a contractor and on the way up there was a massive accident on i5 southbound oh, I was really? going northbound. They shut down all lanes of the highway. In fact, oh, no. It, it was shut down for multiple hours. And, uh, so I, I, I saw that going up there. So I met my contractor and I said, okay, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <And> hope, it, <laughs> hope it goes away. It's nice and sunny coming in. And then, uh, I then I checked the traffic and it was still all blocked. So I took a really roundabout way to bypass the, uh, um, the, the freeway, the freeway to go in It only took another 20 minutes. Um, so it was good because I wanted to make sure I had time, time to record, so that's been my exciting thing for today.
0: <laughs> How about you? <laughs> is traffic and missing yeah. traffic. Um, I've got the exciting thing that happened to me is I, we've been talked about the Scaldwood Blight Adventure Path that I've done. I ordered a proof copy of my book and it came mm-hmm. in. And the nice. reason, which is very exciting, I like the way it looks in the, in the interior. Um, the colors are a little more muted than I thought, than they are on the screen. But I feel like that kind of works, right, for mm-hmm. for a book. Um, I'm not unhappy about it. I, I do. Well, part of the reason that we order a print proof though, is because you can see whether or not like this cover is crooked. The image on mm-hmm. it is, is misplaced against the background. So I'm glad I did not order several dozen of these and, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> and then expect to be able to sign them and and send them out. Um, there's a little bit of misalignment on some of the pages. That's, That's not even going much into the text, which I feel like is uh, like the PDF. So it's already kind of, you know, uh, you know, it's already been edited and it's been, you know, broken out in useful ways. And there isn't weird dangling uh, chapter headers or places where chapters just sort of end suddenly and start on the next page. I want to confirm that that's uh, gone all the way through with the printing as well. But but uh, it's neat. It's exciting. This is the first project that I've done as big as this to have a whole like printer proof stage where, uh, I'm compiling sort of, you know, feedback from mm-hmm. other people that are helping me out in order to get a, uh, a really good final product. Uh, and that was kind of neat. That was a neat surprise. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't expected to come in for a couple more weeks. And so when I got it in the wow. post office this morning, I'm like, Oh, this is very exciting. I told, I told the person by the counter, I'm like, I'm very excited for this book. <laughs> and she's like, um, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yes. You don't get it. It's a book. It's exciting. That's right. It's my book and I'm excited about it. So it looks really thick. Like when I, it, when I saw that, uh, yeah, it is. It's a, uh, it's pretty good sized, pretty good thickness, 254 pages, something like that. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a uh, it's pretty solid. Uh, the, the paper in it, because it's color all the way through the paper is mm-hmm. a little bit thicker and, uh, uh, I've done some black and white, uh, printing of books that don't have spines or they're just, they're uh smaller, thinner adventures. And mm-hmm. those tend to be really, I they're both thin and thin looking because black and white doesn't need as thick a paper to hold mm. the, the color, but I wanted to get slightly thicker paper to make sure it was holding the color very well. Well, that's cool. I also heard some other news about you and drive through RPG today. Oh yeah, this is exciting. Um, so the abomination vaults GM's guide uh, that is that I, I did as one of the, re- like really close to the release of Pathfinder Infinite to help people who are running, like people like me who are running the Abomination Vaults, um, to compile some of the quests and some of the stats together, uh, provide some more power, roaming power groups that you can use, uh, some mini adventures that can add onto the dungeon, kind of a grab bag full of stuff to make Abomination Vaults easier. And, uh, I just hit just over the, uh, Electrum level of sales. So I have 250 of those sold. Uh, wow. that's really exciting. I don't know that there's another infinite product that is up to Electrum sales yet. Um, so wow. I'm keeping an eye out, but that's, uh, that's really exciting. I'm sure that the, uh, the news about abomination vaults being compiled into a hardcover helped and, you know, maybe a little mm-hmm. boost boost there, even though it's not, directly helpful for fifth edition. The fact that Abomination Vaults is in the news about the fifth edition has been, uh, yeah, been a help. I'm, I'm sure I'm excited about that. Uh, I did have somebody ask on a uh, interview I did, Hey, has, uh, you know, in the mm-hmm. compilation that you've done, have you been able to use the stuff you did for the Abomination Vaults GM's guide? And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. That is an entirely separate non piso thing. Uh, it would in fact be, Pretty inappropriate for me to be raking in a bunch of money privately on this product and then fold it right in to a PISO product without asking anybody and just capitalizing right. on uh, on that a couple ways. That would be I feel like that would be really taking advantage of my position at PISO. So I try to keep those two very separate. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But even keeping it very separately in that regard, right? The product is is purely just a help, like the kind of help that I want as a GM. It's doing very well, and I'm happy about that.
1: Yeah. You use it every time we play. So it, it must be good.
0: True, true, but, true, yeah. true.
1: So what comes after Electrum?
0: Uh, gold is next. And that is, I think, selling 500 copies. I am a ways from that. But when right. I got silver, which is right for Electrum, I thought I was a ways from Electrum. And then that kind of, you know, rushed in. So I don't know. I'm excited. I think it's kind of neat. There are a couple of other great products I've seen on infinite that are already at silver and are mm-hmm. approaching kind of fast. Uh, you know, Luis Lowe's has got a dragonkin Versatile ancestry that has done really well. Right, right. Um, the issue number one of the Queer Finder magazine, which is which is a delight to read. I picked that up. Um, and then some of the the fiction that's on there. There's a lot of really great things on Pathfinder yeah. Infinite and Starfinder, Infinite. it is certainly worth checking out.
1: Cool. All right. Well, um, I hope everybody's recovered well from our last episode, and we're kind of back to normal now.
0: Yeah. Uh, Unglitched.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I anticipate we'll at least be able to go another fifty one weeks or so without another glitch. Hopefully, <laughs> uh,
0: you know we'll see. Well, I'm John, and I'm Ron, and this is Digital Divination.